Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's up, Love Tribe? Welcome to ID Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating, and self-help experts. 
If you're dating, single, married, or struggling in a relationship, we're here to help give you the tools to succeed. We hope you guys had a great holiday weekend and that you're recovering from all the turkey that you ate and feeling good. Maybe you're listening to this while you're on a run, burning that off. Apple pie, pumpkin pie. (laughs) Pumpkin was definitely my favorite. Yeah, we had a nice little Thanksgiving. Actually, just the three of us, Sarah, myself, and our daughter, Stella. So it was nice, uneventful, and we didn't eat too much. So I'm happy about that. Today, we are going to bring you a lot of great information from Kyle Benson. And we talk about attachment theory. And what that is, is we all attach to our partners in a relationship in one of three ways. And this is all based on scientific research and it's it's widely held um, information in psychology that we attach to our partners in these ways and they're anxious, avoidant, and secure attachment styles. And with Kyle, we really dig into each one of these styles and how to deal with the style for yourself and how to bring the tools into the relationship so you can match, not match, but work with the attachment style of your partner and also identify that. So really valuable tools to have to bring into your relationship to first understand the attachment style that you exhibit and then also your partners and then move forward with the tools to to succeed based on your attachment style. And we want to thank Emily, who has become a patron of ours. We really appreciate the support. She supported us on Patreon.com, and you can do so as well uh, at Patreon.com forward slash I do podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. You can also support us on Amazon.com. The links are in the show notes page as well as on the description of this podcast. And lastly, audibletrial.com forward slash podcast. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial when you use our link. We mentioned it in the last show, but we hope you're enjoying the new intro from the hip abduction. The song is called Crazy, and we played the whole song at the end of uh, last episode where you can hear the whole thing. And today we are going to play you another song from them at the end of today's episode called Stand Up For Love. That's from the band The Hip Abduction. Check them out. Hope you enjoy. We appreciate you guys so much, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey everyone, we're excited to welcome Kyle Benson to the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Kyle Benson writes at the kylebenson.net website where he uses science and life experiences to help those in troubled relationships get the love, respect, and passion they dream of. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Ooh, that is a... So a, a little bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to make it quick. Um, about four years ago, I was in uh, a pretty, what I consider a toxic relationship, uh, which is something we'll talk a little bit about today, uh, where I was the anxious partner um, and what would, we would call a needy person. Um, and I was with someone who was emotionally unavailable. And there is this dynamic in our relationship um, that just made me feel really insecure. 
And one of the ways that I dealt with my insecurity um, was starting to work a lot. So I started working over 100 hours a week because I believed that if I'd make a lot of money, um, I would somehow be able to be loved. Um, and so as a result, I ended up working like 100 hours a week for about nine months and like still trying to manage this relationship. Um, it was just incredibly in a, a really bad emotional state and just horrible views about myself, which we'll talk a little bit later. And then I ended up getting sick. Um, and I spent like the past like three years working with a bunch of different doctors, recovering from my health. And I remember I was sitting in a chair um, pretty much at my lowest low. Um, and I kind of I was thinking, I was like, how did I get here? And I ended up picking up a book called Attached um, and talked a lot about attachment theory, which we'll talk about today. And it really hit home for me. And so I started obsessively reading about it, writing about it for myself. Uh, my friends started noticing things and started coming to me. And then I had articles picked up by editors of publications like Huffington Post, Goodman Project. And then now I get to the pleasure of helping people with kind of the the bad relationships and getting them to create healthy, secure relationships that makes them feel fulfilled and trust their partner. Well, thank you for sharing that personal story. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting because there are a lot of therapists and people that help couples that sort of had their own struggles that kind of led them to explore it for themselves and then eventually share that knowledge uh, with others. And that, that kind of seems what you're doing. Yeah, it is. And and I kind of believe, you know, you can only take or help other people to the extent that you've really helped yourself or you can only go as deep into someone's pain or their story as deep as you've gone yourself. And that's kind of my philosophy. Well, today you already touched on it a little bit, but we want to dissect and get more into the attachment theories in relationships and talk about compatibility. So can you just uh, give our listeners a little outline of uh, attachment? Yeah, um, so I'll give a, a very brief outline. So attachment is how we relate to um, our partners, and it starts actually pretty much when we're born. Uh, we become attached to our mothers, in particularly, or and our parents. Um, and through that relationship, especially in an early age, we create, we put on, like imagine like putting on glasses, and at that point that relationship dynamic with your parents, these glasses you wear actually become the filter through which you see all your future relationships and the dynamics of those relationships. And what you learn is you learn about what you deserve and then what the world can give you or what someone else can give you. And so attachment and a secure attachment, which is someone that's healthy, um, we would consider in a healthy relationship, their parents were, um, willing and able to provide for them in a way that allowed their needs to get met um, and allowed them space to explore. And so if, if you think about a child, right, that wants to be picked up, the parents would pick them up. And then if the child wants to get down, the parent would put them down. Um, and later in life, this turns into a child who has the capacity to be both independent and also dependent um, on their partner, which creates a, a amazing relationship where partners can both grow independently and together. One of the things in attachment theory um, is there also an insecure attachment. 
and that can break out into two different ways. There's the anxious attachment style, which is called in pretty much if you were to look at modern blog posts or articles, it's someone when they talk about a needy partner. Um, and what happens in that relationship is that their parents or their, their current partner in the romantic relationship um, is available sometimes, but then it is also disappears, abandons them. And so they get this feeling that they're not good enough and that they're a burden for their partner. And so they actually reinforce this in the way that they behave by texting all the time, by calling all the time, because to give their partner space is a very, it's almost a traumatizing experience because it reminds them of being abandoned and the fear they have of being abandoned again. Um, so they take on a lot of beliefs very early on in their their life that also impact their adulthood. Um, avoidance, on the other hand, um, are the other insecure attachment type. And that type feels like they have to do everything by themselves, um, that they can't rely on anyone. They're the type of person that says, I'm independent, um, I don't need to rely on anyone, and they're uncomfortable with getting close and intimate with someone um, because they're so used to being neglected um, or controlled. And they they had some type of dynamic in their family system where they were controlled and limited and they didn't get the freedom to be who they wanted to be. And so to get in a relationship, they're very sensitive about not having space. Um, and when they don't have that space um, or when things get really intimate, they, they, they're what we call it. I call it an attachment button gets activated and they push their partner away. Um, this is also why they run away from relationship after relationship and kind of wonder like, okay, why am I never finding that one partner that I always want? Yeah. That's uh, really important. I think for our listeners and anyone in a relationship to understand what type of, uh, attachment you exhibit and that way you can set yourself up for success because you talk about the toxic relationships when perhaps you have a an anxious and an avoidant type and uh, what happens when when you get those two together they so it's that's what i call the toxic relationship um and it's toxic because they avoid each other's needs while also reinforcing their beliefs about themselves and their partner or the world. So in that way, if we're going to take the first talk about the needy partner or the anxious attachment type, um, that partner will feel like they're a burden on their partner. Um, and so they'll behave in ways that actually can become a burden with their partner. And one of the things they really crave and one of the beliefs they have is that I want more intimacy than my partner can handle. And as a result, they tend to attract a partner, which is an avoidant, um, who tends to be emotionally unavailable and unwilling to be intimate. And so as a result, they get in this kind of push-pull relationship where the anxious partner is like, I really want intimacy. I want to be close. And so they seek to do that in the relationship with the avoidant partner. But the avoidant partner, as soon as they experience intimacy and get closeness, they kind of feel threatened, like they're going to get controlled, they're going to lose their freedom, and so they push away. And so you get this kind of cat-mouse game that continues to go on. Um, and one of the problems with that is 
both partners never get understood or never really meet their needs in a way that allows both partners to deal with the insecurities they've had growing up or in past relationships. Yeah, it's like this vicious cycle. And what would you tell someone that is in this kind of relationship? Is there a way to to sort of work through that dynamic? Yeah. So if you have a a, um, a couple, like if I have a client or I have clients like, that are in an avoidant, anxious relationship, um, what we do is we really dissect the, the beliefs they hold about themselves um, and really put that out on the table. Because like when the avoidant needs space to when they get into conflict and the avoidance like I need space, this is overwhelming or there's something else and the avoidance is like I can't handle this and like I need space and they take it, the anxious partner takes that very personally. Um, they take it as, well, I'm not good enough for my partner. Um, my partner doesn't love me. They're going to cheat on me. And so by, by bringing both partners' beliefs and putting it on a table, we can actually talk about how they're impacting each other. And by working with the beliefs both partners have, you start to kind of get to shift things. As the anxious partner learns that, okay, the avoidant partner needs space after conflict to really like sort through their feelings because they have difficulty putting language to their feelings or can't process it. Um, because they're so used to being controlled in relationships. Okay, well, that means it's not about me. It means they're trying to process what's happening. And then, you know, when the anxious partner feels really needy to the avoidant partner, the avoidant partner can then learn to communicate in a way that allows that partner to feel like they're there, but also respect their need for space. Um, and there's actually a really cool... Um, thing in the psychology of attachment and it's called the dependency paradox and just to kind of dive in that just a little bit um what happens is when an anxious partner is dating an avoidant partner um, and they seek security in the relationship the avoidant partner actually doesn't give them the security which causes them to become more and more insecure which causes them to act in ways to get reassurance, to get reconnected to their partner, which then causes this, as you mentioned, vicious cycle that prevents them from ever really connecting and feeling um, close. And so they go on kind of this roller coaster. But what happens is if that avoidant partner is able to have their boundaries and still love their partner and still be like, hey, like I understand you need some more than what I'm giving you, um, you know, can I text you a little bit or can I say, hey, I hope you're having a good day. I'm thinking about you um, or say, you know what? I love you, but I need space. And can you respect that? And what it does is it gives that anxious partner the security that the avoidant partner isn't going to leave them because that's their biggest fear, their fear that they're going to be abandoned. Um, and as a result, they the feeling that they can be dependent on their partner and trust that their partner is going to be for them allows them to put their attention outside the relationship. And one of the dynamics that happens within a relationship when a partner cannot, doesn't get that need and doesn't feel secure in the relationship, like the anxious partner will not focus on anything but that relationship. Like literally, I imagine it like uh, the anxious partner being a missile and the avoidant partner being their target. Nothing else in the world matters. And you see this in the sense that a partner drops their hobbies, they lose friendships, they you know don't work as well, they, they give up on so much and they focus all their energy on the relationship or they try to change their values, they change 
what they're doing with their lives. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of just share an experience that I had um, is when I was in this relationship years ago, my partner was vegetarian. And one of my ways to get close to her was to change who I was. I was a huge meat eater. I loved eating meat. But I became a vegetarian and eventually a vegan as a way to connect with her because I was scared if I stayed as a meat eater that she wouldn't love me and that there would be, again, I would be left alone. Um, and so that's that's kind of what comes up. It really comes down to like communicating and really get down into the deep-rooted feelings people have about themselves and the fears they have that come up in the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So for our listeners out there who may be relating to um, being avoidant or anxious, do you have any tools for them to help them become more secure in their relationship? Yeah, I do. Um, I have a couple different uh, articles on my website. There's one, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It's something like the four powerful or four, it's like four exercises um, to build like a healthy relationship. Um, but it talks about, again, just kind of what we talked about on like, how do you communicate your needs and get to that? One of the things that happens, um, in both these different partners is emotions are very overwhelming. Um, and the anxious partner, their mind goes to an incredible extremes in the sense that they, they reinforce their deepest fears by thinking the worst about their partner. So right now I have two clients um, that are in a very intense, anxious, and avoidant relationship, and the anxious partner, um, you know, his his avoidant partner was out kind of on the town and, and like spent a couple of days away from him, and his thought is she's cheating on me, right? She's not talking to me as much, she's not doing all this, and so she's she's obviously cheating on me. Um, you know, she's gonna someone else is going to take her and I'll never get a chance to be with her. Um, and so my, my advice to someone that has that mentality and that fear is to look at an alternative reality, the potential that maybe your partner is just being busy right now, or maybe your partner um, needs a little space. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're cheating, um, but it means that you have to look at trusting them a little bit more and trusting yourself that whatever is going to happen, you can handle. Um, and so it's really like testing the waters with that partner and vulnerably communicating your needs. And so another thing beyond just recognizing how your mind works in the relationship for the anxious partner is to be very vulnerable and direct. One of the things about an anxious partner is they are very indirect, like I have another client who uh, is trying to get back with a partner and one of the issues he kind of is dealing with is being very direct and there is a deep fear about him being direct because if he's direct, he's going to get rejected. And so what happens is instead of being direct, he beats around the bush. So instead of saying, hey, like, you know, do you want to go on a date? Like, are you ready for a relationship? What are you looking for? He goes over and he talks about, you know, okay, how can I help you with your computer? How can I, you know, you want to go for a walk? And then they go for a walk and he talks about her job. Um, and so one of the things that 
has kind of happened is you have to work on being very vulnerable and very, very direct about what you need in a relationship. Um, and it's actually owning that you're needy. There's nothing wrong with being needy. And what I find is that when you assert your neediness and you're, you ask for what you need, most often partners do not find that needy. They actually find it sexy because you're being authentic with what you need and you're being upfront instead of hiding it behind you and trying to pretend like it's not there only to let it resurface in your interactions in different ways. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that there's, there's nothing wrong with being needy or there's nothing wrong with being avoidant because these attachment styles are, they're so ingrained in, in who we are, you know, like you mentioned, we really form them when we're children and growing up or, and then they're molded in, in other relationships too. But there's nothing wrong with being that way. I think the key, like you kind of mentioned, is working on it and then communicating that to your partner and then using that as a positive. But if if you're kind of just going through this cycle and neither partner is recognizing the needs of the other one, that they are needy and that the reason they're texting you a hundred times a day is not because they're trying to be annoying or it's it's really something that they have to deal with and then maybe if you're that other partner on the receiving end, be proactive and not necessarily wait for the anxious person to, to say something because they may not say, Hey, you know, it seems like you're, you're kind of going through something here and reaffirm their, their anxiousness. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. And that's, and that's just it. It's as an avoidant partner, if you see your anxious partner acting really weird, there's something up typically. And so it's saying, Hey, you know, you're acting a little bit different right now. Everything. Okay. Um, you know, and, and unless there's a safe space, they might kill, oh yeah, everything's fine. And they'll just stuff it inside. But if you can communicate in a way and work with them in a way that allows them to talk about it, they'll take that opportunity and they'll speak up. They'll tell you what's bothering them. Um, and there's a big difference. There's ways to really communicate it on both partners that allow partners not to get triggered. Um, cause that's also what happens is an avoidance like, oh, well, you're being needy now. And then that person's like, well, okay, I'm being needy, but I don't want to talk about it. So I, it's because it's shameful for me to be needy. Um, and just to reinforce what you said, especially with like American culture, we're really focused on this independent mindset. All right, you got to do it all yourself. Like to be dependent on someone is shameful. To be needy is shameful. And so the anxious partner has all these mixed messages that, you know, your needs shouldn't matter. Like, oh, like if you look at like common dating rules, they tell you, oh, don't, you know, you shouldn't call, you know, within three days or you should wait till they text you or like you should pretend like you're busy because that's going to make them more interested in you. Um, and while that may have some slight truths, the problem is you're not being authentic to who you are. And as a result, that person's not going to fall in love with you. They're going to fall in love with this fake person you make. And then you're going to have issues later on. But if you're authentic about what's going on with you and like what you want and like, hey, that person texted me and you know what? I feel like texting them back right away, then text right back right away because your needs matter and what's going on with you in your life matters. And there's so many messages in that I'm sure you guys see and, and that I see where people are told that they, they can't be that certain way, that they have to hide part of who they are to get loved. And that's just I don't find that to be true. No, I think that's that's such good information. And, you know, it's like the whole 
if you are needy and, oh, I shouldn't text them back. And it's kind of like it, you're playing this game. And you mentioned like society and our culture that will kind of direct you to, to say that, no, you, you should wait because you don't want them to think that you're desperate or something. And if if the person you're trying to be with is going to play that game and, and kind of manipulate the situation, that's not going to be a healthy relationship long term anyways. Exactly. And that's, and that's just it is by actually being honest with yourself and what you need, you actually attract what we call a secure partner, right? Because if you're not honest and you hide your needs and you pretend like you don't need closeness, if you pretend like you're okay with all this space, you're going to end up attracting an avoidant partner. Um, and what happens then is, you know, that avoidant partner loves space and that's just what works for them. Um, but as, as an anxious partner, that makes you really nervous. So if you're honest, like, hey, I'd like to spend more time with you. Time's really important. Um, you're going to be attracted to a secure partner. Um, and that secure partner will actually be okay with giving you that intimacy and that closeness. Yeah, that's, that's, that's important information there. And for our listeners, it seems like it's kind of obvious, like if you if you look at yourself, well, it's obvious for some people, but I would encourage people to, to take a second and think about which kind of uh, attachment style you use. Now, if that's not incredibly obvious for someone, are there ways to kind of determine whether you're anxious, secure, or avoidant? Yeah, there's a really cool quiz. Um, I can actually send it to you guys and you can add it, I think, in the show notes. Yes, uh, yep. And that's, and that's something that's from one of my favorite books uh, called Attached. Um, and so that is – he has a quiz or they have a quiz for that that's associated with that book. Um, and that's a really powerful way to learn about it. I would recommend reading up on it and really understanding it. I have dozens and dozens of articles on it on kylebenson.net. Um, and there's just a lot of resources. If you type, type in attachment theory, you're going to see a lot of different stuff. Um and get a little bit of understanding. But I would recommend first taking the quiz and seeing what your attachment style is and then going and trying to research, okay, what are some of the different opinions other people have on this style Um, and trying to find something that really aligns with how you you see yourself, um, but also in a sense of like how can you grow into being more honest and authentic with with yourself because – like as we've talked about, that anxious partner, right? They don't want to be needy, and to be needy is a shame, shameful experience. Um, and so that's something that you know takes some growth and personal growth. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll put that uh, a link to that quiz on uh, idopodcast.com. It'll be in the archives under your show. So that's definitely valuable because I think you need to understand what attachment style you are so you can communicate that to your partner right and both of you and then you can move forward using these tools like we're talking about and and work out the uh the issues you might be having yeah yeah and that's just it is is how can you communicate and that's the biggest thing because when you can communicate your needs and what you feel and your deep beliefs about yourself and your deep beliefs about how a relationship should be and how a relationship should work Therein lies the key and the gateway into having a healthy relationship. It's about honoring what you want and what your partner wants and working together in such a way that both of you can have 
a healthy relationship that makes you feel loved, accepted, and supported um, and secure. Great stuff there. Well, love to continue to talk about this, but we got to move on into the lasting love round where we'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to set the foundation for a lasting relationship. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Ooh, that's, this is a fun one. I love this one. Uh, turning towards their partner. Um, and what I mean by that um, is John Gottman of the Gottman Institute has done tons of research on couples. Um, he's actually a really funny, fun guy to get to know. Um, and what he notices on a study of about 120 newlywed couples, um, the couples that lasted um, and had a really good relationship turned towards, I think it's 86% of the time. And the couples who ended up getting divorced turned towards 33% of the time. And what I mean by, by turning towards, it's when your partner makes a bid for emotional connection. And this could be in, hey, how was your day? This could be in, oh, I had a really stressful day. This was really hard. This could be, hey, can you do unload the dishwasher? Sometimes it can seem really simple and dull. Um, but most of the time, what happens is you have an opportunity either to turn towards your partner or to turn away. Um and one of the most profound ways to enhance passion in the bedroom, enhance connection, and really build like a strong friendship is to focus on what ways are you turning towards your partner and turning away. Because more, more often what happens is partners are mindlessly unaware that they are turning away from their partner. And if they can get the skill and the awareness of the opportunities where they can turn toward their partner, they will have big shifts in the relationship that will really make it last. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so important. And we've had that recommended before. And it really can help improve a relationship. It seems tiny just recognizing those bids, but it'll go a long way. It helps the other partner feel kind of understood and feel loved. Yeah, exactly. And I and I always say it's it's the seemingly insignificant moments that are the most significant moments of all. So it's the moments that you think that are that are small, that don't really matter that really show that you care and value your partner and that they value and care about you. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationships? Yeah. Um, so there, you can check out, I have some articles on my site. Um, I also have articles on the Gottman Institute. Um, or you can check out John Gottman's book uh, called The Seven Principles That Make Marriage Work. Um, there's a lot of information in there about it. And then there's also another book by him called what makes love last. Um, he does research based, um, solutions for couples and it is very, very insightful. And I would highly recommend that to anyone that wants to learn more about that. We will be sure to add those links uh, and the articles that you've written on your show notes page at idopodcast.com. And also our listeners can get a copy, a free copy of, the seven principles that make marriage work on audibletrial.com forward slash I do podcast. Awesome. We've been married for almost two years now. Is there any advice you would give newlyweds? Mm, advice depends really on what's going on in the relationship. Um, if I were to say anything that I've seen make incremental differences in a general group of people, um, there's this thing called the mag I call it the magic six hours, um, and I actually learned it from John Gottman as well. Um, 
And what it is, is these six hours that really kind of build on your relationship. And so one of those hours is focused on actually creating a space for conflict. Um, Because I often find that couples don't ever create space for conflict. And so their conflict happens in the kitchen, happens in random places in their relationship. But by having a space once an hour every week, it gives you the space to focus on your the conflicts in your relationship and work in a way that allows you to have space to work through the issues as opposed to trying to do it in between errands, in between dealing with the kids and stuff like that. Um, another thing that's a part of that is to, in the morning before your partner departs, ask them something, an open-ended question about their day. It shows that you're a little bit caring, you're more open to hearing about them, and it also builds a greater understanding of what is called their lo- your love map, which is a, is a, a fun way to say how you understand your partner. Um, and also within that, one of the dynamics, just to kind of wrap it up, is to actually work on kissing a little bit longer. Um, one of the things in the research is that a six-second kiss um, has been shown to really help kind of build um, – intimacy and kind of closeness um, and it's something you can do it's only six seconds do that every day and it, especially when you come home and, and reunite with your partner at the end of the day it's a good little smooch six seconds is that yep. one mississippi two mississippi three if you're if you're listening with your partner keep going you got three seconds <laughs> all right that's about six seconds that's good i like yeah. that stuff what advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? It would totally depend on, on their style of relating and their style of attachment. Um, if they're anxious, I would honor your needs and um, you know be very authentic. If you're feeling needy, you're feeling insecure, um, you know, there's probably something there with that partner or with yourself. And so it's exploring kind of what's going on. Um, and then really trying to find someone that you feel calm with. One of the dilemmas that anxious partners have an issue with is they often mistake um, anxiety um, and uncertainty in a relationship for passion. It's just something they've been conditioned from their ch- early childhood into adulthood that actually causes them to become attached and emotionally attracted to emotionally unavailable partners or the avoidant partner. Um, so one of the things I recommend is when you find someone that's like you're someone attracted to, but they feel really kind of almost boring or really safe. Um, and you don't really feel excited with, I would challenge you to actually slow down and see if there's more potential, build a friendship, kind of see what happens. And often what can happen is you can actually fall in love with that person. And as, as a result, that secure partner who makes you feel really safe and comfortable, will slowly change your, the beliefs you hold about yourself and the relationship and allow you to not feel so needy and insecure over time. Um, and same thing for the avoidant partner. If the avoidant partner, uh, kind of one of the, my recommendations for a single person is to work on, okay, where am I running away from people? What causes me to shut down in my relationships? And by understanding what those issues are, that partner can then kind of work on, okay, how can I open up a little bit more and slowly experiment with um, becoming a little bit more intimate um, and realizing that it's still safe, that they're not going to be rejected or abandoned. Um, and I would also recommend that partner find someone that you know is more secure and can actually give them the space and be totally 
supportive and okay with them taking their space as opposed to someone that in the anxious partner sense will start to control them um, or will show up randomly at their place or will text them and call them frequently um, and reinforcing that feeling that they can't be independent and they can't be controlled. Yeah, that's, that's great information. And I, I really encourage our listeners, if you haven't already, try to understand what attachment style you have. Take that quiz. We're going to put it on your show notes page at idopodcast.com. Awesome, Kyle. Well, we've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, you can find me at kylebenson.net. Um, and I have a, a passionate relationship toolkit that if you subscribe at my site that you can get, and it talks a lot more detail about the anxious attachment style, um, the avoidant attachment style, and how to really communicate with your partner. Well, as I've mentioned before, you'll be able to find all the links and information from today's episode at idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, thanks so much for joining us and for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks. Most of the time
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.